Welcome in, everyone, to another edition of Coach Time on the Believe Network. I'm your host, John Lyons, and let's get right to it. It is NFL free agency fully underway, and the biggest story is someone that technically hasn't even moved yet, and that's Aaron Rodgers. He came out on the Pat McAfee show on Wednesday and said that he was going to be a New York Jet. He came out of his darkness retreat, which, according to him, he went into considering strongly retirement. He comes out wants to be a New York Jet, and he says it's just up to the Packers and the Jets to finish the deal and get the trade compensation squared away and become a Jet. And this is a huge move, obviously, right? Rodgers is a future Hall of Famer, multi-time MVP, and it's a huge move for two divisions, the NFC North and the AFC East. And let me start with the NFC North. So first of all, you have a Vikings team that lost in the playoffs to the Giants, but they bring in Brian Flores to be their defensive coordinator, which I think is a huge move. You have Detroit, which beat Green Bay on the last day of the year. They finished off an 8-9 season, were on the verge of the playoffs themselves. You have Chicago, who just traded the number one pick in the draft. They will be better next year, but they're probably still two years away. And then you have Green Bay, who has some pieces to be good. They were on the cusp of the playoffs, so they don't lose to Detroit that last night of the season. They end up in the playoffs. Now they have Jordan Love as their QB. And the team I'm looking at here is Detroit. Like, I think Minnesota is a playoff caliber team. I think Detroit is firmly now the second best team in the NFC North. So the Detroit Lions right now are the second best team in the NFC North and have a real shot to win the NFC North. We're talking about a team that went eight and nine last year, won the final game of the season, which was a quasi playoff game, if you will. I know they didn't make the playoffs, but it was a game to keep another opponent out of the playoffs at playoff level intensity. They win. Now they come into this season. Two first-round picks, two second-round picks. Ben Johnson's coming back as offensive coordinator. So for me, Detroit is the second-best team in the NFC North. Green Bay goes down to third. And, and I look at Green Bay with Jordan Love. And look, obviously, it's going to be a drop-off from Aaron Rodgers. But I think Jordan Love has a lot of the tools to be a good starting quarterback in the NFL. We've seen him play better and better in his limited opportunities as the years have gone on. So I, I could see him being pretty solid as a starter, obviously year one, I think it's going to be an adjustment, much like it was for Aaron Rodgers in his first year coming in for Brett Favre in 2008. So the NFC North, I still think the Vikings are the top team, but Detroit's in range, and I think Detroit is now firmly as well the second best team in the NFC North. But the bigger impact is for the AFC East. You look at Buffalo, who has been the top dog now since 2020. They're a Super Bowl contender year in and year out. You have Miami, who, if they have a healthy Tua, maybe they even beat Buffalo in the playoffs last year, but it's a playoff-caliber team. You have New England, who, with a non-existent offensive coordinator set up, which was probably the worst in the NFL last year, they still won eight games. Now they have a real offensive coordinator. They add Juju Smith-Schuster to their receiving corps, and they still have some work to do for sure, but that's a solid, That's a team that can be in the playoffs. And then you have the Jets. The Jets had the best defensive rookie in the NFL last year in Sauce Gardner. They had the best offensive rookie in Garrett Wilson. They have a solid offensive line. Brees Hall looked like a really good running back before his injury as well. They have a playoff caliber defense already. Now you're adding Aaron Rodgers to that mix. So the Jets, to me, are a no-brainer playoff team right now. And I think the AFC East could end up being the toughest division in the entire NFL. Because the Bills are a Super Bowl contender. Miami was a playoff team last year. New England, just based off getting Bill O'Brien and fixing their offensive coaching situation alone, is going to be better. And this is a team that 
despite that, still won eight games last year. And now Rodgers is with the Jets. I could see the AFC East sending three teams to the playoffs. And much like we looked at the AFC West last year, I think we look at the AFC East this year because you look around the AFC, the AFC North, I think Baltimore, when healthy, is a playoff team if Lamar Jackson goes back. Cincinnati obviously is the top dog. I don't see it with Cleveland. I don't think Pittsburgh's there yet. I think the AFC South is a bad division. Someone's going to win it and get to the playoffs, but no wild cards there. And then you look at the AFC West. The Chiefs are the best team in the NFL, but the Chargers just blew a 27-0 lead in the playoffs. Do they recover from that? I, I don't know. The Broncos have Sean Payton now, but that offense was such a mess last year. They're going to have to bounce back. In Vegas, they have Jimmy Garoppolo, so they have some stability at quarterback, but they have a lot of questions, at least when it comes to holding on to leads, finishing out games that they have to answer next year. So I think we're going to look at the AFC East. I think the AFC East, without a doubt, is going to send two teams to the playoffs. And then I think what we're going to see is the bottom of the AFC East, which will be probably the Dolphins and the Patriots, battling the bottom of the AFC West for those final two playoff spots. And maybe an AFC North team like a Baltimore is in that mix as well. And now that there's seven playoff spots, there's room for that, right? You have your four division winners and your three wild cards on top of it as well. So I think there is room there. I think the Bills are a no-brainer playoff team. I think the Jets are with Aaron Rodgers. I think Cincinnati is. I think Jacksonville is. And I think Kansas City is. And that's five right there. So beyond that, I think you look at for two spots, New England, Denver, Miami, Baltimore, and the Chargers. Five teams for two spots. And I wouldn't be surprised if Denver can sneak in and the Chargers maybe take a little bit of a step back given the way their season ended and they moved on from some coaches as well. I could see Baltimore getting in there, but if Baltimore loses Lamar Jackson, then I think they're out of that equation. But still, that's going to be a hell of a battle. I think the Jets are a no-brainer playoff team with Aaron Rodgers. I think they're a team capable of, if they get some things right, making a run to the conference championship game. I still think the Chiefs are better. I still think Cincinnati is better. I still think Buffalo is probably better than the Jets. But the Jets now are in that top of the second tier, if you will, of teams in the AFC. And I think they're firmly the second-best team in the AFC East. Some other signings in the NFL that I really liked. The Bears remake their whole linebacking core. And look, the Bears have been known for 50 years to have great linebackers. TJ Edwards, 26 years old. They get him for three years, 19 and a half million, only 12 million guaranteed. 159 tackles, two sacks and a forced fumble last year. Really athletic guy. And speaking of athletic guys, Tremaine Edmonds, one of my favorite linebackers in the entire NFL, 24 years old, four-year, $72 million contract, 102 tackles, interception, a sack, a PFF grade of 79 if you're into that. Really athletic, a guy who can run well, does well in space, can come down against the run, but also hold his own in pass coverage. And those numbers he put up were only in 13 games last year. So I really like what the Bears did with their linebacking core, and that comes on the heels of the Bears trading the number one overall pick. So the Bears got a bunch of draft capital, and they signed two great linebackers. Denver, I mentioned them earlier, fighting for a playoff spot. They're going to need guys to protect Russell Wilson. One thing Sean Payton did when he was in New Orleans, he would get big, tough offensive linemen to protect a smaller quarterback in Drew Brees. He did that with Mike McGlinchey signing with the Denver Broncos. You have a smaller quarterback in Russell Wilson who got beat up a lot last year. McGlinchey is 6'8". He was the best offensive lineman on the market. Five years, $87 million, $50 million guaranteed. 
They also signed Ben Powers as well at guard. So I like what the Broncos did here along their offensive line because they're going to need it, right? They have a playoff caliber defense. Sean Payton's a good coach, but that offense was an absolute mess last year. And they are going to need to upgrade that offensive line. More importantly, they're going to have to get Russell Wilson on the same page with his coaching staff to be able to produce and put up points. Because if they had just put up 20 points a game last year, they probably would have been a playoff team. So that's what they need out of Russell Wilson. And I do like that they signed Zach Allen. Five and a half sacks in 13 games last year. I thought that's a nice kind of sneaky good pickup that could be good in the long run. The Texans signed Jimmy Ward. Look, that's a rebuilding team. They're not going to be good for a few years. But Jimmy Ward knows D'Amico Ryan's system. I think it helps accelerate that process. Instead of being a three to four year rebuild to their a contender, or at least for the division, maybe now it's only two to three years of signing like that and adding D'Amico Ryan's as well. And the Chiefs. So the Kansas City Chiefs, they choose Jawan Taylor over Orlando Brown. Jawan Taylor, 25 years old, from Jacksonville, good offensive tackle, played right tackle there. He's probably going to come to the Chiefs and play left tackle. And let's not forget, the Chiefs gave up a couple first-round picks to trade for Orlando Brown from Baltimore. He helps them win a Super Bowl. They go out and they sign Taylor. He's, like I said, 25 years old. And Kansas City played against him twice, including in the divisional round. So they obviously liked what they saw, and they feel like this is the left tackle of the future. They already have the best quarterback and best player in the NFL in Patrick Mahomes. Now they have someone that they feel can protect him for years to come. And I think if the Chiefs are going to continue to be the best team in the league, which I think they will, Taylor's going to be a big part of that. Because as great as Mahomes is, he needs at least a little bit of help on the O-line. Taylor's going to give him that, at the very least what Orlando Brown gave him, if not Maybe at least the Chiefs are hoping a little bit more. The Raiders, speaking of the AFC West, they signed Jimmy Garoppolo, gives them some stability at quarterback. He hasn't been an elite player. He hasn't even been a great quarterback. I think at times the 49ers won in spite of him. But what I will say, he looked really good as a New England Patriot early in his career under Josh McDaniel, specifically the first game and a half of the 2016 season. He had three touchdown passes in the first half of Miami in week two of 2016. So him and Josh McDaniels worked really well together in New England. I could see him thriving in that system. He won't have Darren Waller, who just left via trade to the New York Giants, which I like for the Giants. I think Brian Dable, look, the Giants made the playoffs. They got to the divisional round. But I think that was a lot about Dable scheming things up getting guys open, finding ways to win. Let's not forget, remember way back in week one last year, they go for two against Tennessee. They win it. They won a ton of close games last year. I don't know if that formula can always replicate. Like, it's good to win close games, but you want to be in control in winning those close games, not maybe just getting good results in the last second. So that's obviously you need some of those games, but you don't want to totally hang your hat on that. Adding more talent, a guy like Darren Waller, I, I think helps with that. The 49, and I, by the way, Jacoby Myers going to the Raiders, I, I like as well. The 49ers were a quarterback away from beating the Eagles and going to the Super Bowl. And I think they would have won that Super Bowl if they had good quarterback play against the Chiefs. They hopefully will have quarterback figured out with Trey Lance. Now, the best defensive line in football, or probably number two by some people's eyes of the Eagles last year, now is firmly the best. They signed Javon Hargrave. Monster defensive tackle. He had 11 sacks last year from defensive tackle. And this is a defensive line that already has Bosa. They already have Armstead. Now you're adding Hargrave. To me, this is a go for it move. He had 11 sacks last year, seven and a half the year before. That defense, they do lose Jimmy Ward, 
But this is a defense now that is one of the best in the NFL. They have weapons all over the place on offense. They lose Mike McGlinchey on the offensive line. But Kyle Shanahan, I do have faith that he can, with maybe a lesser talent at right tackle, still be able to scheme up ways for them to get good production in the run game and plenty of pass protection as well. One other signing that I really like, Jamel Dean re-signing with the Bucks. He was one of my favorite corners in this class. He was my number one corner in the free agent class. Rocky Sin was my number two corner. But Jamel Dean, great cover corner, 6'1", 205. Reports are he took less money to stay with the Bucks. so credit to him for wanting to be there and credit to the Bucks for being able to get that done because this is a Bucks team that is going to be rebuilding. I think a 26-year-old Jamel Dean as a shutdown corner is going to be a huge piece of that. So I love that signing by the Bucks as well. So the big thing really, though, I mean, this has been a pretty exciting, and it's funny because coming into it, it's thinner free agent class. And I agree, it's a thinner free agent class maybe than years past, but we've still seen a lot of excitement. And that starts with Aaron Rodgers, and I let off with that. Aaron Rodgers coming to the AFC East makes the AFC East one of, if not the best divisions in football. The Bills are a Super Bowl contender year in and year out. I think the Jets now are firmly the second-best team in the AFC East and a team that can get to the divisional round at least in the playoffs. They have the best rookie defensive player in Sauce Gardner, the best rookie offensive player in Garrett Wilson, a playoff-caliber defense, a solid Young offensive line. Brees Hall looked like a real contributor before he went down. So to me, they're clearly the second best team in the AFC East. They have a shot to win that division and get to the divisional round of playoffs. And then who knows, maybe even beyond that. Miami was a playoff team a year ago. And New England, they won eight games. They had a disappointing season. But now they have a real offensive coordinator. They won eight games with a non-existent offensive coordinator. So just having that will help then. I think the AFC East is going to send three teams to the playoffs. And I think we could very well see all four teams in the AFC East have winning records with three making the playoffs. So Rodgers going to the Jets, obviously it's a big change for the NFC North, a huge change for the AFC East, and another team in that AFC playoff picture that feels like there's five or six teams that can win a Super Bowl. The Jets are now another team in that picture, and the AFC playoff race is going to be awesome. So that's it for our first segment of Coach Time here on the Believe Network. Stick with us. Just a quick word from our sponsors, and then when we come back, I'm going to tell you some interesting facts about March Madness, especially at the top of the bracket, and who I think is going to get to the Final Four. Thank you to our sponsors for that quick word. And what I want to do now is talk about March Madness, and specifically the top of the bracket, because I think this is as open a top of the bracket as we've seen in a long time. So I just want to give a quick run-through. I know everyone fills out their brackets Bama. Okay. The big situation is Brandon Miller and the allegations that he drove to Darius Miles and Darius Miles got a gun from him before he committed a murder. Very serious allegations. I think a lot of people would argue Brandon Miller shouldn't even be playing, but he is. And I think him on the Bama basketball team, 19.6 points per game. This is a Bama team that won at Houston. They're only the third team in the last three years to win at Houston. That's that this is a Bama team. That's loaded from top to bottom. I think they're going to be, you know, in the elite eight at a minimum, very well in the final four, unless something happens with that Miller situation or some distractions come up. But just on a pure talent standpoint, I think Alabama is clearly one of the top four teams in the country, but probably even beyond that. And look, I think it's at least an elite eight team. And that's not to minimize what happened with Brandon Miller. I think it's extremely serious. And I think the folks that say you shouldn't be playing, there's, a lot of merit there, but he is. So with him on the court, 
I, I think he's they are one of the top four teams and really to me a minimum elite eight appearance from them this year Houston they've had five years of 27 or more wins in the last six seasons they had 29 this year but they play in the AAC it's a little bit of a weaker conference they have Marcus Sasser 17 points a game Jarris Walker could be a lottery pick so there's a lot to like about Houston but Bama went in there and won so I don't know how much I like, like, I think they get to the elite eight, but I don't think they get to the final four. I, I think they bow out before they get to the five. I think someone from maybe a, I don't want to say a tougher conference, but I, I really do think it's going to be someone from a tougher conference that gets them in Kansas. My personal favorite team. It's my favorite team. Cause Paul Pierce went there full disclosure, but last year's champion, Jalen Wilson, 19 and a half points per game, eight and a half rebounds per game. Grady Dick with 14 points per game. And this is a team in Kansas. I know Bill Self was not there for the Big 12 tournament, but they beat Duke. They've beaten Texas, Baylor, Indiana, Kansas State, and Kentucky. Really strong resume. Only concern I have, they've only been shooting 31% from three in the last nine games of the regular season. So they've been not hitting the three as much as they were earlier in the year. Purdue, Zach Eady. Seven foot four inch guys, a freak 21.9 points per game, 12.8 rebounds per game, 2.3 blocks. They were four and four in the last eight games of the regular season. I mentioned Kansas being 31% from three. Purdue was 32% from three from February 1st to the end of the year. So look, I, I think Bama gets to the final four. I do think Kansas gets there because they have Bill, Bill Self. If he comes back, they have that. Ex- I know they don't have everyone back from last year, obviously, because of the NBA draft. But they have that overall experience. They have a great resume. Purdue and Houston, I'm questioning a little bit more. And Houston the most so. Of the two seeds, I'm really excited to watch Arizona in this tournament. They averaged 73 possessions per game this year, which was basically near the top of the NCAA for most of the year. 38% from three, 56% from two. That's really good offensive numbers. Texas. Big 12 champ, shout out to Rodney Terry going 16 and seven in the regular season since taking over in an interim basis. Of course, UCLA, look, UCLA is a story program. I think without Jalen Clark, they're probably going to end up losing in the Sweet 16. And it's too bad because that's a team that I think is a great team. And if Clark was healthy, I'd probably tell you they could get to the final four. I just think without him, they don't get there. So I think upsets are fun. We're all going to, we're going to see some upsets. But I think at the end of the day, the final four is going to be among those teams I just mentioned. I think Bama gets there. I think Kansas gets there. I think Arizona gets there. And then I think Purdue or or maybe Texas gets like I think it's going to be of that group I mentioned. Those are going to be the teams that end up in the final four. I don't think you're going to see anything really below a three seed in the final four, even though it would be fun. So and we're going to, of course, review this next week because this time next week we'll be almost halfway through the tournament. So that's it. That's another addition to coach time. Most of it was NFL free agency and Aaron Rodgers, but I had to get some stuff in there about March Madness. I'm your host, John Lyons. Thank you so much for listening to this edition of coach time. And I'll be back with another episode soon. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe, like share, and let me know if you have any questions or feedback. Always happy to hear. Have a good one.